I want to be something, be somebody. And boxing was that, was those stairs, the climb, I had to climb. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Short Story Long. This week, we've got a legend. Sugar Ray Leonard is on Short Story Long, and I am so excited to share this interview. I was really excited, even a little bit nervous, when I went to sit down with Sugar Ray, just because, number one, my boxing knowledge is limited, but the interview didn't go too much into detail about boxing. Um, And he's a legendary person. I mean, his achievements are insane and I was beyond excited and the interview turned out as good as I possibly could have hoped and I just can't believe how nice and curious and fun to talk to Sugar Ray was. I can't wait to share this interview with you guys. We talk about everything. We go through his whole life story um, all the way from, he has very vivid, a very, very vivid memory of being 10 years old, putting on boxing gloves for the first time, getting punched in the face one time, and taking off the boxing gloves and saying, I will never touch these things again. There's so many moments in this story that are so interesting because it's not how you would expect his story to go. You expect people to just sort of be driven to this passion. They find it. They're great from day one. They just go conquer the world. They're happy as can be. I mean, he talks about only going pro in boxing out of an obligation to help out with his family. He also talks about feeling like he was never enough or never worthy or never really fit in socially and and how he still battles with that sometimes to this day. So that's it. Those are all the teasers. It's an incredible episode. I'm so thankful that I got a moment to sit and talk to somebody like this and that he was so thoughtful. And like I said, so curious. And he asked me so many questions before we started recording and he really just gave a great interview. I am so thankful and I can't wait to share this with all of you. As always, You guys have been crushing it with screenshotting your phones when you're listening to the episode, posting it on your Instagram stories, and tagging me. Please keep doing that. It's so cool. It makes it so easy for me on Instagram to just see all of them at once because I can just swipe through all the stories that I'm tagged in. I can repost them instantly on my story. So make sure when you post it, if you have any questions or comments or favorite parts of the episodes or whatever, include that in the post. For those of you who don't know, my Instagram name is just drama. That's where I'm at 90% of my social media time. I'm always responding to comments, DMs, all the above. So hit me up on there. Anything you got, send it to me on Instagram. Screenshot those phones. Post it on your story. I can't thank you guys enough for that. Also, all of these interviews that I do on Short Story Long, I post on my YouTube page, youtube.com slash drama drama. That's also where I post vlogs, anything of that sort. Um, make sure you check us out on CastBox if you haven't yet. It's just a really cool platform for podcasts. We're doing a lot of really cool things for for podcasts. And they even helped me set up this uh, interview, intro- introduce me. So I am so thankful to those guys and everything they're doing to help me out. Check out CastBox if you haven't yet. Um, go to youngandreckless.com. Use the promo code SSL and you get 40% off all full-priced items. We're doing huge, 
huge sales right now on denim and also bundles for back to school and those are just blowing out and i can't thank you guys enough for all the support on that stuff as well last but not least and then we'll get into this interview check out group chat if you haven't heard of group chat it's my other podcast and i do it with my business partner d and his brother Anand, and we go through all things current events pop culture uh business a little bit of politics and we cover the stories and we try to give you a little bit of insight behind those stories or a little bit of business knowledge or a little bit layered deeper of what's going on and give you some cool, interesting things to think about and some good talking points at your next dinner conversation. And also we just have a lot of fun with it. We joke around a lot and try to have fun with the sometimes crazy news that is constantly happening in the world. So that show is called Group Chat. It's everywhere where this show is. That's it. Enough from me. Let's hear from the legend. Sugar Ray Leonard. The hardest part is figuring out what you want to master. Focus on your product. Can you tell somebody that they suck? You gotta just go for This it. is exactly what I want to do for a living. You can't even tell somebody that their breath stinks. You know what I mean? It could take your whole life and then you find your worth. The product is number one. If it scares you, you should probably do it. Good content is good content. That is the coolest shit I have ever seen in my life. So Akron, Ohio, huh? Akron, Ohio. Have you where have you spent a lot of time in Ohio? No, I, I well Columbus, Ohio. I used to fight there. Got it. The state fair. Oh really? Yeah, it was a huge state fair. I don't know if it's there, still there. When was that? What year, roughly? Back in the seventies, man. Back that was 70s. amateur. Or that was amateur. When you were pro? Amateur, amateur. Oh. Probably is back in in uh, 71, 70, yeah, 73, 70. Wow. God, it goes. I mean, it's that's what I say. Wow, man, because I think back how long it's been does it feel like time flies super oh, fast yes yeah the minute i hit 50 i was like wow like wow man 50. Yeah. that's so crazy it was that. crazy man it was My especially wife, in those days were you just like traveling all around going all, to it, all over the world yeah just traveling uh but i didn't branch out i didn't didn't i stayed i stayed within the hotel just right there instead of going out and visiting looking you know yeah yeah and you mean like and when you weren't fighting you were in the hotel yeah i mean yeah. even with fighting i'm not in the hotel i'm just yeah. like i'm i'm i almost like I'm, i was i was really shy and and low self-esteem yeah yeah even at even at even as i succeeded even through fighting yeah I, really? The only time I didn't have low self esteem was in that ring. Was when? In the ring. Yeah. That's so interesting. It's it is crazy. Because I feel like a lot of like high, crazy high performing, especially athletes, are that way. There's something about like you feel like you have this superpower when you're doing your craft, mm -hmm. but outside of that, it's like, how do I? How do? Yeah. That is interesting. How do? How do I make it work? How do? How do I remain productive? How do I? help others I, I mean it's it's a when i think think of my my life my career and everything it's it it, it it's like puzzled me sometimes i was like what you know because yeah. i'm i'm not like i was i'm not like i am in the ring yeah i'm like you know smiling laid back is there anything else now that gives you like a bit of that feeling i don't and i don't try to because there's nothing will ever give me that yeah. that's, did you have a yeah. hard time with that at all like learning that like trying to find it in other places it, it, yeah, yeah, it got it got tough 
got tough and that and that's when you go to more alcohol or more drugs got or it. just all those things yeah but um it, it's it's a it's an interesting process yeah but i think i think it's with all people not just in sports but just you know you've had a career in, in acting or whatever and then when you leave that yeah it's like that's what I always talk about, even with like, you know, let's say the high school football star, right? Like you're the star in high school. The and, star, yeah. And you feel like you're the king of the world because who doesn't want to be the coolest, most popular, like on, most yeah. athletic kid in high school? But it can almost be a curse if you can't evolve, you know, because we all know how much more difficult college is. We all know how much more difficult the NFL is. If you peak in high school, like it can just derail the rest of your life or at least for a long time, you know? It, unless you, unless you address it. Mm -hmm. unless you t unless you acknowledge it uh, did you learn it just from like your own you just learned it like there's not any book or any no you just yeah on the job training yeah on the job training let's go to the very beginning and just i just want to like try to wrap my head around kind of the story and like i just you've accomplished so much you know what i mean and like just to try to wrap my head around what that felt like for you and how that process went where you grew up in Maryland? I grew up. I was born in Wilmington, North Carolina. Okay. Uh, we the family left Wilmington. I was three years old, mm -hmm. and we moved to Washington D.C. Um, that's because that's when you know my older brothers Roger and and Kenny, who were athletes, uh, suggest I go to the uh, number two boys club, uh -huh. and. I go there, and there's a boxing uh, group downstairs, and I put the gloves on, and this kid hit me, boom, in the nose. I said, that's it, and I put the gloves off. I said, I'm good. What? How old were you in that? I was like maybe 10, maybe. Eight, and you remember 10. that moment? Oh, it's so vivid in yeah. my mind. I, it's so vivid of that experience because I was not, I was a kid who – was a wallflower. I was a kid who um, had extremely low self-esteem. I was a kid who was shy. I was a kid. I was not. I thought at the time I was not meant for boxing. Yeah. You know, I was just didn't didn't like hitting people. Didn't want anyone to hit me. Yep. And was not. Didn't feel that. Didn't feel that I was. I had the tools. Yeah. That's so interesting. It's so interesting. It's so interesting it? that that's, you know, because you just think the story is like, well, you know, at two years old, I've wrapped toilet paper around my fist and started punching stuff. And I knew I was built for this. You know, it's funny that that was the first interaction. What, why? So you have, where are you at in your siblings? You have a bunch of siblings, right? Yes. Um, two brothers. Well, three. My oldest brother passed away, Roy. Mm -hmm. um, my older brothers, Kenny and Roger. Got it. Um, the three sisters, um, Bunny, uh, we call it Bunny, uh -huh. uh, Sharonette, and Sandy. Got it. And why do you think, do you know why they thought boxing would be like maybe something you'd enjoy? No one thought. No, okay. no, no. Okay. It was just, just, I just happened to go to that gym. Got it. Put the gloves on and, and see, you know, what, what would happen. But then I... After that first, after that kid hit me in the nose, yeah, we moved to to uh, Maryland, 
And in Palmer Park, Maryland, I went to the gym again, and I was 14 years old. So there was like, what, you know, five, six, seven years passed. Yeah. And I go to the uh, Palmer Park Recreation Center, put the gloves on, and it was like I found boxing, boxing found me, or we found each other. It was, it was magic that I felt, I felt confident. Really, and I again, I was not really a, a an athlete at all at that time, but I worked hard. I just continued to work hard. My brothers beat me up. He used to hit me because I was just there. Yeah, just at home. Just at home. Houses. Yeah, I just. Yeah. I mean, he they would punch on me, and because I was disciplined, that's what I had. I had discipline, yeah. and I sacrificed. Uh, no girlfriends yeah. for a long, long, long time. But I was so dedicated and so focused, I call it tunnel vision, yep. that I became a lot better uh, than most. Yeah. Do you remember at that time, like, okay, because I know just in day-to-day -day life, having that sort of tunnel vision and that discipline is insanely hard, right? Going to the gym or eating Extremely. right or whatever. Becoming a world champion boxer is obviously an entirely different level. Like, do you remember what was driving you? Like, did you have this mental picture of I'm going to be the greatest in the world or I'm going to provide for my family? Or like, do you remember what was pushing you to have those long days? To I, I, I know exactly what was pushing me to be accepted. I had yeah. low self-esteem, yeah. extremely low self-esteem. I, I never told anybody. I never showed anybody, but I just didn't feel I fit in. But I kept training, kept training, kept training, and then I saw the light. All of a sudden, now I am Golden Gloves, which is tournaments for amateur boxing, uh, AAU, um, and there was the Olympics, uh -huh. the, the Olympics, and I was try. I tried to qualify for the Olympics, and I was 16, and you had to be 17 to be legal. And I told him I was 17, and. I tried out in the Olympic trials and I lost in the quarterfinals. Mm -hmm. So I, I remember, I remember like it was yesterday, sitting in my uh, dressing room, uh, crying because I was so close to the Olympics. Uh, and a, a coach came back there, put his hand on my on my shoulder, and said, "Hey," he said, "Hey, Sugar Man." He just for some reason he called him Sugar Man. Uh -huh. He said, "Don't." Listen, don't worry. You'll be more experienced in 1976, which was four years later. And I looked at him, and I just, I just shook my head, and I worked hard from, for those four years. Yeah. And he was correct. He was right. Yeah. And so, what you were around 20 at that time? I was exactly 20. Oh. Yeah. Man. Do you have any idea? Just going back to the earlier, like, do you have any idea what changed from? the first time getting punched in the face and being over it to the next time feeling so like empowered? I just felt a desire to be somebody, mm -hmm. you know, I, again, like I said, I had very low self-esteem, uh, even within the family. I just felt I didn't, I didn't fit. I didn't, I wasn't up to par. Yep. I just felt that way. And naturally around girls, I didn't, I felt my nose was too big. I felt I had a gap tooth. Um, didn't have curly hair. I mean, all those things kept me away from the girls. They didn't want. They didn't want me. Yeah. They never talked to me. Uh, and I wanted. To, I wanted to be something. Be somebody. And boxing was that. Was those stairs? Yeah. Yeah. To climb. That I had to climb. Yeah. Let me ask you this: outside of boxing, like just childhood in Maryland, 
what type of stuff was going on? Like, what were your brothers and sisters doing? Was there any other like early interest that you had? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what did that look like outside of the boxing? I'm glad you asked that question because it was it was basketball uh-huh. that I never got picked. I never got selected. Because, uh, first of all, I wasn't that good anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, there were uh, football. I felt that was a dangerous sport. I didn't didn't even acknowledge it. Um, singing. I wanted. I wanted to sing. You did. I did. My mother. I'm, my name is Ray Charles. My uh-huh. mother named me after Ray Charles. Love that. We knew early on that there was no hope. <laughs> but um, I just. I was. I wanted to be something. I wanted to be somebody. Yep. Yep. And nothing I saw had. That I had a chance at. Yep. You know what I mean. I hadn't. But you also got to be passionate about passionate about something. You have to be enthusiastic. You yeah. have to be. Yeah, I'm. I'm willing to go wake up at five o'clock in the morning. I mean, I, I. I did those things in my teens. Yeah. And that's, you know, having that discipline to pursue or to work your body and your mind. I welcome that. Yeah. And what about like finding that passion? Like it, like it sounds like it just kind of grabbed you. Like it got you. Like would you tell a young person to just try as many things as they can, or like how would you? Would you have any advice on like how to find passion? Because I do believe that the only way to be great is to wake up at five a.m. If that's what you have to mm-hmm. do, is to work those hours, is to do that thing. But you're never going to do that unless you love what you're doing. At the end of the day. But I think a lot of people are disconnected from having anything like that in their life that they feel that sort of passion for, you know? You, you have, you, it can't, I can't give you that. Yeah. No one can give you that. You must want that, that the passion, the, the love. I mean, it, it wakes you up in the morning. It wakes you up at five o'clock in the morning to yeah. do that five mile run. It, it's natural. It's a natural process. Yeah. Um, and I wanted it so bad I could taste it, and that's what separated me from the other guys. I mean, the, the other guys, even they were more experienced. It was talented, but I had that edge, the eye of the tiger, if you will, yeah. um, to pers- to go further, to go further. I never thought about losing. I always felt I could win. I used to pray before the fight, but I never pray. I never pray to win. I pray no one got hurt. As a teenager, as a young and teenager. nobody got hurt. No, it wasn't one even hurt. just yourself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I... that's amazing. What did um, at that early age, like in your teens, what did training like? What did that look like? You're up at five a.m. You're obviously then. Are you going straight to the gym? Like, how are you balancing that in school? Like, what does that look like? Oh, I'm glad you asked that question, Chris. <laughs> um, I I actually ran to school. Mm-hmm. I ran to school three about three miles. And because a bus, I, I would not take the bus. I would run to school. And the kids laughed. At me. I remember them laughing at me because at one point I did cry because they, they thought I was crazy. Uh-huh. You know, that's a bus, a nice bus. Why don't you? But I ran to school and would change clothes real quick. And because, I, again, I, I, I didn't give up road work. I, I, I had to be a step ahead of everybody because fundamentally I was not sound yet. And I did that. I did that. And they and again, they the people, the kids would laugh at me. They just didn't know how dedicated I was, how focused I was. I always say focus, but I call it tunnel vision. Yeah. I I wanted it so bad. I wanted to win so bad. And and really not knowing what I what was in the, what was ahead of me. 
I just wanted to win. So when I got that opportunity, that first fight, that first con- that first tournament, that first event, I wanted to be ready. I wanted to take advantage of the opportunity. Yeah. It's just amazing. Like, I feel like at that age, you know, because at that age, too, we're all so sensitive to what people say, you know, what other people say about us. And I think, like, to have that perseverance through, you know, being a teenager and, and all your peers saying you're crazy and you're weird and why are you running to school and be able to even push through that, like, is insane. I mean, it's so cool. And I think that's what also derails so many young people is hearing those outside voices and thinking like, oh, maybe they're right. Maybe I am crazy. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I need to get in with what they're doing. And you know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. You know, they say words don't hurt. Words do hurt. Yeah. And especially now because they're global. Uh, for me, you know, someone said something bad about me or joke, made a joke about me. It hurt my feelings. Yeah. I mean, bad, really, really bad. Uh, but I never told anyone. I never told my mom, my dad. I never told my brothers or sisters. I kept it to myself. I kept everything to myself. Which, looking back in retrospect, I guess that's what made me who I am. Yeah. You know, I, I, I had to fight for my respect. I had to fight for my position. Yeah. Man, it's sure a it's a that. weird thing. It's a weird thing, man. Yeah. I mean, I I'm so different than I am in the ring. Yeah. I'm so non-confrontational. I don't want to hurt anybody. Yeah. But uh, when I got into the ring, I. It was just a different story. That's <laughs> a different story. So good. So let me ask you this. When did you, so you're getting all this, you know, backlash from, from other kids and you're working your ass off. Like, do you remember any moment when you were like, man, I'm good at this. Like I'm starting, something's different than the other kids or, you know what I mean? Or like, I, I got something here. When I, I, I tried out for the 1972 Olympic trials and, um, uh, and I nearly made it. I lost in the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. And I said, it wasn't until I was in the dressing room crying and the coach came back there, Coach Sarge Johnson, and he said, hey, he said, listen, son, you'll be okay for the next Olympics. You'll be more experienced. You'll do this, you'll do that. And I and I cried, and but I never let go of what he said to me, that, 1976 will be my time to shine. And he was so right because I gained more experience. I was more confident. I was more dedicated, more dedicated. Um, I didn't jeopardize. I didn't do anything to jeopardize my my last shot Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at the Olympics. And so was it that year of the Olympics that you were like, whoa. Whoa. There's something going on here. It was. Something was going on because um, I remember – uh, there was an Olympic, uh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Aldous Adamas, a Cuban fighter. Uh-huh. And he was considered the gold medal winner because he he had annihilated everybody. I mean, he knocked guys out and they were taken on stretchers uh-huh. out of the ring. I mean, he, he was hitting that hard. And um, I remember so clearly sitting in a what they call a headquarters where the athletes can go and watch previous matches, uh, whatever, wrestling, boxing, whatever. And so when they showed the boxing, the guy was was what was shown on, on the film, and he knocked the guy out, and I heard people say, oh, my gosh, he's going to knock Sugar Ray Leonard out. Oh. 
I heard that. Well, they, not, they didn't call me Sugar Ray back then. They called me Ray. Yeah. Uh, and I snuck out of the out of the room because it was kind of dark. And I I worked out. Did like I maybe I did like a hundred push ups or sit ups or whatever. <laughs> but I I said he's not going to beat me. He's not going to beat me. But the odds were, the odds were in his favor. Yeah. And I beat him. And I beat him. And, and I beat him for the gold medal. And that was like wow. You know, that's that. I mean, words can't describe. I can't elaborate enough on what it felt like standing on that podium with that gold medal draped around my neck. Yeah. And and the Cuban here, and the, I think the Russian was there. And I'm like, oh my God, this is it, man. This is it. But then again, it was kind of bittersweet because I was not looking forward to turning professional. I was going to go to the University of Maryland. Further my education, get a great job. Even through that process. Even through that process, because wow. I didn't, you know, I love boxing, but not that much, and I just felt that, you know, hey, you know, you don't make that much money in boxing. And got home, and my dad was in a coma, mm-hmm. and everyone's crying. My mom's crying. I'm crying, and I asked my mentor, Jenks Moore, and I said, Jenks, how can I make fast money? He said, turn pro. I didn't give it a second thought. I turned pro because it was for my dad. Keep my dad living. And then my dad, my dad, by the way, lived. My my father passed away about a month or so ago uh-huh. at 95. Wow. And it was because of boxing that allowed me to get the best help medically for my dad. Jeez. <laughs> that is so crazy. That's so crazy that that's, you know, that's how you were able to provide for that and make that happen. But also that like, you know, it was a necessity almost at the moment. You know, it wasn't like, once again, it's the difference of, this is why I love about doing these conversations is like, you kind of have one perception of how a story probably went. Mm-hmm. And then you hear the real one and you're like, holy cow, like you're yeah. telling me that Sugar Ray Leonard only turned pro out of necessity. Necessity. Yeah. Use the perfect, the perfect word, necessity. That's amazing. I only did it to help my father. I did it to make money to pay the bills. That's the only the only reason. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to take one quick second to talk about my sponsors. This first one I am so excited about. It's called Calm. And the reason why I'm so excited is because I've been using Calm since right before I started this podcast. And I've talked about meditating and that sort of stuff a few times on here. And this is the app that I use and have always used. Um, It's the number one app for sleep, meditation, and relaxation. And in 2017, it was Apple's app of the year. I didn't know any of that when I started using it. A friend recommended it. And I do it every morning for 10 minutes. And it's just mind-blowing the difference that 10 minutes of listening to a meditation and following along can do every morning. Um, That being said, I have a special offer, of course. If you go to calm.com slash drama, you'll get 25% off a Calm premium membership. That's all the features, everything Calm has to offer. You get it all. Go check out calm.com slash drama. Get 25% off. My next sponsor is Mac Weldon. Um, Mac Weldon is all about making underwear, socks, shirts, hoodies, all the above. And their biggest thing is comfort. So they really, really, really believe in smart design. Uh, They use premium fabrics. And, and their web store is incredibly easy to use. They're really big on just a simple shopping experience. The other big thing that Mack Weldon does is if you order your first pair of underwear and you don't like it, 
you can keep it and they'll still refund you. That's how confident they are about their product. And that's because it's pretty darn good. So, of course, I have a special offer for you for that as well. If you go to MacWeldon.com, M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N, and enter the promo code DRAMA, all caps, D-R-A-M-A, at checkout, you get 20% off your first order. One more time, MacWeldon.com, enter the promo code DRAMA in all caps, and get 20% off your first order. Go check them out. I think you guys will like them. Let's get back into some short story law. Let me ask you this. When you, like the picture you just painted a little bit of being at the Olympics and waiting to fight, and like it just sounds so crazy to me, not only going in front of a bunch of people and, and literally fist fighting until you know someone wins, <laughs> but, but like knowing that the odds are against you, hearing people saying Ray's going to get knocked out, like that to me sounds like my worst nightmare. You know what I mean? My question is, how did you deal with the fear? Like how did you not get in that ring and just be scared to death or too scared to do everything that you had practiced or you know what I mean? Did you have any like tool to like shut that off? That's a great question because I was just so determined. Determined. I mean, that that Cuban had far more experience, bigger, stronger, but I wanted to win. I no, I had to win. Yeah. Think about I had to win. Even without knowing that my father was ill, I had to win to have made to be the final chapter in, in this book. Yeah. Yeah. In my life. Yeah. What was gonna happen if I had not won? Mm-hmm. It's it, you know what when I think about this, when I when I when you raise this question, and I, I think I said this this was predestined. It was meant to be. Yeah. I I, I again I, I keep saying I'm I'm so opposite of what I used to do, but I was made to do what I displayed. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. So then when you start fighting professionally, are your, what's your family? You have a big family. Is your family like so excited? Are they coming to all the fights? Like how does that look from a family aspect? Uh, um, my career, my professional career um, was nothing short of illustrious. Uh-huh. And, but what happens if you don't maintain perspective of what you do and what you have there is also a dark road and i went that dark road you know with drugs and and alcohol but you also have to take care of yourself and you ha- you also must be around good people who have your best interests in mind mm-hmm. uh, and again is it easy not not at all because all of a sudden you come from nothing extremely humble beginnings nothing living in the ghetto and then all of a sudden now you you have you don't you don't look at the the, the price tags on anything yeah you just i'll oh, give me one of those in fact give me a couple of those and i did that i've been through that but that didn't make me happy you know that's the thing about it, it didn't make me happy it, it maybe for maybe for a week i was okay i was cool and everything but that next day or next week or next year, I was not happy. Mm-hmm. And I, I learned that, and almost before it's too late, I learned that I have to be, I need to feel good in my own skin. Yep. You, yep. you really do, you know, and I try to instill that or to, to young people, young kids, young 
people so much talent to try to, and it's not easy, try to be around good people. Just trying to be around good people. Yeah. It's amazing to me too that, and you know, we hear this story a lot and, and it's true, but that all of those, all of that money and being able to buy anything you wanted at that moment, everyone thinks that's the cure for all of these problems, right? Like if you were just rich and famous, all your problems would go away. You'd be the happiest person on earth. You'd be so fulfilled. And it's just amazing that, you know, you hear it from everyone. Anyone who's ever been through it will tell you that that is not the answer. You know what I mean? And I think that's one of the biggest, like, illusions that exist. It is. In, you know what I mean? In the world. And, I mean, people become, not intentionally, but it's it, disillusioned by, you know, if you're famous and you're rich and all this kind of stuff, that you should always, you know, be happy. And you walk out and someone says, hey, how you doing? And, and you don't speak. We had a bad day. I mean, some, you know, we have bad days, too. Yeah. And um, I mean, the only, and I, and I learned it myself, and I taught that to myself, that no matter how I felt, whether something awful happened to the family or business, when there were kids who, who came up to me, I never turned away an autograph or picture or whatever. Yeah. I always did that, yeah. But um, you just gotta maintain perspective and stay grounded. Yeah, You have to stay grounded. And, and again, it's not that easy. Mm -hmm. It's not that easy. It depends on depends on who you are. It depends on how much control you have over your heart and your mind. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a. I I've been on an incredible journey. Uh, would I do it again? Absolutely. Yeah. It made me who I am. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it made me who I am. And what about any like? Was there anything that happened for you that really helped you? You know, get clear on, or, or get grounded or get you know was it any books or any uh traveling that you did or family members or like was there anything that you did that you felt like reconnected you to to that um that, yes yes i mean i had a, the greatest friend in the world muhammad ali mm -hmm. and he he always when we were together gave me advice and he said, Ray, you know, you make sure you sign all your checks. You make you do sure you do this. You can take control. You do this. You do that. Everything positive. And you know, you you, you don't know until it happens. Because mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes people do things with ulterior motives. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's a learning process. But until you feel good in your own skin, those things, those productive things, are not going to take place. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, because if you believe the hype, and sometimes we, we can, I, I, I listen, I'm guilty too, yeah. you know, but I've learned through, you know, going through my first divorce, I married an incredible woman, Bernadette, having beautiful kids, uh, my older son's little Ray, little Ray, he's 40 some years old. <laughs> and uh, He'll always be little Yeah, <laughs> and Jarrell, I mean. Daniel and Camille, my daughter, mm -hmm. you know, because I want them to be okay. Mm -hmm. You know, I want them to reach for the stars. I want them to 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 be smart. I want them to be humble. I want them to give back, to reciprocate. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I'm asking a lot of things, but you know what? That's my kids. Yeah. I want them to be. I want them to be the best. Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what about a moment like obviously you were at 
like such a high point that very few people get to experience, right? Meaning like not only amount of income, but just you're a world champion, multiple gold medals, like, like on a stage. Do you remember a time that was like the most sort of like, where even am I moment? You know, like how did life get this so crazy moment? Oh, crazy and good or crazy bad? Well, I have both. both if you have both. Um, the best time was the Olympics mm -hmm. because it wasn't about money or fame. It was just about representing myself and my country. Won the gold medal, standing on that pedestal and just let me, just happy. The worst time was when my professional career was over. I was, I was, in, I was 25 mm -hmm. and then I, cause nothing could compete with being the world champ. I mean, being the champ, man, I mean, I mean, even to the day, people call, hey champ, how you doing champ? Yeah, of course. You know, you're used to that. Um, but then you feel, you feel that, God, man, I want to continue to do this. Yeah. And at 25, it's hard. It's hard to kind of reason, make reason. And I turned to drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Cause you know, I tried it and I was like, eh, I feel good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you don't feel, you don't feel bad anymore, but it's just a band-aid. Mm -hmm. It's just a band-aid. It's, it's not gonna last long. Yeah, I, I know that now because it's you know for me it's been over eleven years being sober and and giving kids advice and you know trying to help someone else out. Yeah, it's 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 who I am now, and and I feel good about that. Yeah, I really do. Did you reach any sort of low point like like? Was there sort of a point that was the worst point because of the drugs and alcohol that you were like, hey, I got to turn this around? Or, or was it a gradual thing? Um, it gradual, yes. But then it started, I mean, it started picking the, the tempo, the, the pace, mm -hmm, I mean, the mm -hmm. speed of, of, of destruction. Uh, and and my, my first wife, Juanita, uh, she was a, a wonderful wife. It was me. It was always me. And... Um, so we we split up, and then I thought I would never have another relationship with any anyone. Um, I didn't want any more kids because um, I screwed up, and uh, and I was hard on myself. I mean, I was really hard on myself. That the only thing that kind of gave me a cushion was was alcohol, mm -hmm. and then my friends introduced me to cocaine, mm -hmm. and um, well. I was introduced to cocaine, but I took advantage of it. I mean, I, I just went crazy because I had the resources. Mm -hmm. But um, when I met Bernadette, my wife of 25 years, you know what? She she showed me that life is is beautiful. Life, you don't need to buy new cars or you don't need to buy this or that because that was the case because I would I would buy I try to buy friendship. Mm -hmm. I was trying to buy love. I was trying to buy my mistakes. Mm -hmm. If I come in late too late, <laughs> I would buy my wife a, a ring, a diamond yeah. ring, yeah. or buy some new shoes or whatever. But she taught me about sincerity, humility. Yeah. That's amazing. So I, you met her kind of at that low point. I, She's actually the one who helped. Oh, absolutely. Oh, because. Man. And she called me an alcoholic. My first wife called me an alcoholic. One is she called, uh -huh. and I divorced. We got divorced, and my and Bernadette said, "You're an alcoholic," and I got angry because to me, 
an alcoholic is guy, those guys on the street, yep. you know, uh, not clean, or, uh, no hygiene, whatever, because they can't afford to or whatever. That's my perception of a, an alcoholic. And I woke up. I woke up, and, 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 and when I finally was able to say, I'm Ray and I'm alcoholic, yeah. my life got better. Really? It got better. Instantly. Yeah, instantly. You know, I'm, you know, as crazy as it may sound, I'm glad to say, I'm happy to say I'm an alcoholic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, hopefully saying that helps one else out. Yeah, of course. Um, so let me ask you this too, because we talked about it a little bit when we first started recording, but the interesting thing to me is you, you know, the feeling of not fitting in or, or, or whatever, you know, however to describe that is kind of what led you to have that crazy fire in the ring, right? And, and, and even mm-hmm. want to be that level of a champion. But you were kind of saying that even at the height of your career, when you were out of the ring, you still were shy and, and staying in the hotel and not getting out. You know what I mean? Is that accurate? Like I, It's accurate, yes. And I, I wasn't happy because I, I didn't know who was who. I didn't know because of my fame and fortune. I didn't know who was who, who was there because of me, and and a lot was in my own head too, because mm-hmm. I had be- I had incredible people, family, but you know I was going down that road and uh, and I kept questioning everything, questioning everything, especially if it just didn't go my way. So it was also selfishness, and it was just I didn't feel good in my own skin. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that sounds crazy because of of my success, but it, I don't know. I just don't know. Man. Yeah. No, I think it makes, yeah. I, oddly enough, I think it makes perfect sense, you know, and I think that, I guess my question is, so then where, where did you find, when did that feeling start to get kind of buttoned up for you? Like, when did you finally start to feel like, you know what, I am... Okay. Yeah, yeah, I I'm am okay. good uh, yeah. enough. I am. You I'm know? glad you asked that question. Chris. Uh-huh. Um, my wife said, because I it, we go to the beach, right? And I wouldn't wear shorts because my legs are very skinny. Uh-huh. <laughs> Same problem. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't go. I wouldn't wear shorts. I would. I wear sweatpants or long pants. I wish. Why don't you wear shorts? I said, um, I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. And when she she kept she kept every now and then she said, wear shorts, wear shorts. And I, I, I did it. I went. It was no big deal. It was no big deal, and I. But all those years um, that I suffered was about something inside my head mm-hmm. that I was thinking was not cool, not good. And again, I one day, and this is this happened maybe eight years ago. Mm-hmm. I went to a friend's house and I walked in the backyard. And I was Ray Leonard. I was not Sugar Ray Leonard. I mean, I didn't. I didn't have to dress up a certain way. I just, you know, I had shorts on, by the way. And that was one of the few times that I felt at peace. Yeah. And so that was a specific moment you remember. A specific. Oh, and I'll never forget that moment because I was scared. I was shaking because I, I'm walking. I'm walking into this onto the property, and I'm looking at people. I'm saying. And people say, hey, Ray, how you doing? And I'm like, okay, okay, things are okay. Yeah. It's not it's not what I create in my head. Yeah. Because sometimes we can overthink things, overthink things or become too analytical. Yeah, of course. But especially when, like, you're 
operating on that level and you're that famous and you're that big like everywhere you go i'm sure like you probably couldn't yeah. walk into anywhere without yeah, yeah. people obviously yeah. knowing exactly and who you were get acknowledged but it, it that was so weird and and i remember i mean when that happened when i walked in there and i, I felt good with shorts on it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i cried really i cried while well, i, I kind of got away from the group from everybody and i cried man i was like wow and it, it was so incredible, and I, and I just hope people can feel what I'm feeling, yeah. or what I felt, yeah. Because there's a lot of people out there who are not happy with themselves, although they have everything. Mm-hmm. It's so amazing how you remember, and it sounds like in the moments we're able to fully embrace like such big moments you know what i mean like you remember that first punch in the face at 10 when you were like nope no chance here and then to be able to walk outside and acknowledge in that moment that you just made a fundamental like transition and really embrace it to the point of crying and like oh my god this is amazing and that you remember it so so well is is so like amazing it sounds like you have these big moments that kind of steered your your path a little bit oh i have those moments those times um with the sexual abuse yep that would never leave me and i don't want it to leave me because it keeps me on my toes uh brought my my parents their first home their first home the olympics i mean there's certain moments in my life that when i think about those it's like wow man yeah you know yeah just major change it's like almost like forks in the road but not but not and I want people to understand this, not from a monetary standpoint, yeah. but for, for life. Because life, like they say, life is what you make it. Mm-hmm. And I've... True. Let me ask you this. Anyone that, because as much as I can, I try to give like, you know, information that, that people can put into use the moment this podcast stops, right? My question is, if there's anyone that sort of connects with the feeling of not fitting in and, you know, the feeling that you had when you were scared to wear shorts. Mm-hmm. Any advice on what they can do to transition to that person who feels okay wearing the shorts, being themselves and saying, hey, I'm me. You know, is it to put yourself out there more? Is it to head on face the things that scare you? Like, how would you, how could we tell someone like how to manufacture that breakthrough? You know, it's the way I feel personally. I just, be yourself. Be who you are. Because mm-hmm. people will accept you no matter what. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's you, the individual, that's overthinking things. Mm-hmm. We, like, you know, my hair should be longer or I should have more muscles. Uh, just be who you are. And again, I'm saying it's so simple, but it's, and, it, and it's not that easy, but it's doable. Put it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, be who you are. Be yeah. proud of who you are. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If it's a plus, if it's a plus, I mean, I'm not saying be who you are, you know, as a as a criminal. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But you know. But I do believe that inside every person's like who they really are is good. Like I do believe that. You know, I believe that a lot of the the criminal stuff and and the drug abuse and, and all the negative things come from the insecurities or the fears or this, you know, like I may be naive here, but I truly believe that when everyone, even the biggest criminal goes home at night, they want to be good. 
Yeah. You know, they, yeah. they want to be able to be good. They feel like they had no choice but to get into this life or friends brought them into it or whatever, through whatever circumstances you kind of ended up here. So it's like, well, then I'm going to attack it, right? Because I'm going to attack anything I do. But I do think when you tell people be who you are, I don't think anyone listens to that and says, all right, I'm going to go start robbing these banks then. Yeah. You know, because I yeah, knew I was yeah, a bank right. robber, yeah. you know? Yeah. Which I is mean, interesting. It's, um, I tell you, these these questions you're asking us are, are extraordinary because they're, they're so natural and so normal and so simple, but they affect so much of our lives, the way we think. Yeah. You know, sometimes, we, again, we overthink things sometimes. And we, what we think sometimes it's not always the case of how you look, to, of how people, you, you say, well, they, they think I'm ugly or they think I'm fat, they think I'm this and that. You know what, don't, don't, don't waste, what they call this, there was a saying about, don't sweat the small stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, I've learned that, I mean, I'm, in, I'm 62 years old, yep. and I still sometimes have low self-esteem. Mm -hmm. It, it comes, it comes and 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 spurts, but you know what? I I I pray. I pray every day. I used to pray when I was fighting, you know, 14, 15, my as an amateur, mm -hmm. and I didn't pray to win. I prayed that no one got hurt. Mm -hmm. I never prayed to win. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I never prayed to win. So it's it's a very complex world, and things now are more available, and you know. But life is what you make. I keep saying, I keep telling myself, life is what you make it. Yeah, yeah, sure is. Absolutely. And that's what I love. That's what I love about these conversations. And when you just said, like, about the questions I ask and how they sort of affect so many people, it's because after doing so many of these interviews and then just um, coming from where I come from, small town outside of Akron, Ohio, having normal friends, whatever, I realized that there, we all have so much in common. Absolutely. And Sugar Ray Leonard has so much in common with, like, an 18 year old who just graduated high school who's trying to figure out his or her struggles right you know it's like there there are these lessons and these principles that i think are fundamentally true for everyone and it's like i'm trying to learn them as i have this conversation and all these conversations but i think as much as i can learn them and spread them we can all that's the way that we can all do a little better right is to like say what do we have in common here you know you know what we have in common that we are fighters outside the boxing ring. Mm -hmm. The same principles that I apply to become a champion are applicable in everyday life. Mm -hmm. We get knocked down, everyone gets knocked down, but you have to get back up, right? Mm -hmm. I, do, I do road work, and you have your own version of road work, whatever is necessary. You need a great corner. I have good people in my corner that I can rely upon. You gotta have good people, good friends. Mm -hmm. You have to believe in yourself because if you don't, no one else will. Mm -hmm. And you and you must, in which we all want victory. If victory is not going to drop in your in your lap. You have to make make be strong and and, and focus on that. Mm -hmm. So you, we are all fighters. Yep, that's so true. Uh, let me ask you this: You're doing a lot of work now with charity. You have your own charity. Mm -hmm. Is that you and your wife? That My wife that? started the Sugar Ray Leonard Foundation, Got and it. our mission is to raise awareness and raise uh, funds that goes towards research for diabetes to okay. one day eradicate diabetes. And we raised close to, what, $3 million. 
Wow. Uh, it's something that, you know, that I want to do. I want to give back because I, I just don't want to be remembered as a fighter, as a yeah. champion. Yeah. I want to be remembered as someone who, who, who also helped make a difference in lives of so many people, yep. especially kids. But uh, I, that's my love. I mean, that's my, I mean, helping, helping make a difference in someone's life is, is, is a beautiful thing. Yeah. That has to be like a, the, the way that you're able to impact people and affect people and especially with the charity work like has to be, I don't even want to say similar because they're probably both different and, and very great, but a great feeling just like being the champion at boxing. You're right. You, you said it right on, you hit it right on the head. Right. If, if, when, when, when I had my hands raised up yep. as a champion, boxing champion, is and words can't describe. So when we one day eradicate diabetes, those same hands will be up. Yep, that's so true. <laughs> oh, man, you already got your eye on the. Absolutely. You're already back with that tunnel vision. Um, okay, last question. If you could travel back in time, you've been through so much. You're so smart. You have such a wise, like, sort of viewpoint on all this stuff. If you could go back in time now to, let's say, you know, 14, 15 year old you, just kind of getting into boxing, working super hard, but just wanting so badly to make a name for yourself and mean something and whatever. And you could just tell yourself one quick little tidbit to kind of help you get through life. What do you think that you'd say? Don't ever quit. Mm -hmm. Don't ever quit. You know, don't for whatever, don't quit. Dream the dream. That's it. <laughs> Listen, man, I can't thank you enough. This was incredible. Thanks, babe. Such a good conversation. Thanks for making it happen. Thanks for taking the time. Well, thanks for having me here. Yes, sir. We'll talk soon. Cool. <laughs> there you have it, my friends. Screenshot your phone right now. Right this second. Screenshot your phone. Post it on your Instagram story. Tag me. My name's Drama on Instagram. Let me know what you thought of the episode. Let me know your favorite parts. Just let me know you're listening. I'm going to be reposting stories all day. Um, I can't thank you guys enough. The show is still constantly growing and that is because of you you guys are posting you guys are telling each other you're spreading the word and that just helps so 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 much thank you so much and i will be back next week with more